been been ready? <clears throat> Let's do it. All right. What's up, y'all climate change deniers? Welcome to Time is a Flat Circle, a look at how humans keep getting it wrong. I'm your host, Joseph, the youngest. And uh, this is the uh, cane to my able, throwing it to my brother, Adrian. I, I just went blank. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it. That's it. You like good. on how Move to on. introduce yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and here's Andre. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been one of the best intros I've ever seen. It's like, I, I got nothing, guys. Sorry. Um, on that note, I'm going to pass it over to Hondo. <laughs> Hi, I'm Hondo. I have nothing at this point. <laughs> We'll get better over time, I swear. I swear. That was the best one. All right, so topic today. We're going to talk a lot about favorite thing in the world, Disney movies. Uh, There's a lot of of movies coming out that are are Disney remakes, um, and I think that it's a good place to just kind of take a look at society as a whole and why we uh, just keep fucking fucking good things up. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's hear that list, Adrian. I, I want to hear all these all these movies coming out that I probably only know maybe two or three in the past few years. So uh, just to let you know, I am referencing a, a little news organization we like to call Cosmopolitan. So <laughs> one very I, reputable, I yeah, reputable. I, I don't know how yeah, how I've, honest I've heard of them. The reporting's going to be. Two, uh, it's in no particular order because uh, I guess chronological order is too hard to, to do, <laughs> do a list. So uh, first here is Mulan. Uh, apparently in 2020, we'll get a remake of Mulan. Uh, live action? Live action. Oh, so that's going to be a disaster. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, a disaster that we will have seen shortly before that is Aladdin coming May 24th, 2019. So bad. <clears throat> so bad. We do have The Lion King, though. I'm excited for that one, okay. i got to say. Okay. I'm into it. So that's in July. The Little Mermaid has been announced. <sighs> Dumbo. Okay, that one doesn't make much sense at all. Yeah. Dumbo has been announced. <laughs> Seen that trailer. Yeah. Snow White, Pinocchio, The Sword in the Stone, Peter Pan, and another Winnie the Pooh movie. Um, <clears throat> all been announced with no date. Wait, is Winnie the Pooh like a sequel? Yeah, to the to the Christopher Robin one that just came out. So and this then, is like Winnie the Pooh, The Force Awakens. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Man, I want a prequel. A prequel would be better. Like, who were those those animals before Christopher Robin got involved? <laughs> With like Winnie the Pooh pod racing? <laughs> and, and here's one that I had not heard of until I saw this list. Lady and the Tramp. I would actually be okay with that, seeing as it's a live action slash CG hybrid. So like Lion King type dogs running around with real people. Is that going to be Andy Serkis like mo-capping as the dog? While also being the guy that's serving them the spaghetti? Yes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, that, that is a right, definitive so list. That's just kind of wild to me. Like, okay, so... Historically, what what is Disney? But I guess our uh, centuries Grimm's fairy tale. I mean, they're already just kind of rehashing stories to, to make their their landmark uh, properties. So, how did they get here? Like, 
do you have fond memories or what are your fond memories of Disney movies that, that meant something to you? I mean, Lion King, I, I, that pretty much is just, uh, my cultural touchstone, uh, uh, defining who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, like some of the ones that aren't here are some of my favorite though, like Fox and the Hound. Like that was, that's a great movie. Not even well, anime. The movie. sad one. That's just a, like, a great uh, fucking movie. No, but like 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, all, all those are like just pieces of my childhood. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I think everyone has like their their own uh, their own favorites, obviously. But are they favorites because they uh, tell the typical story that everyone can relate to? Or are they favorites because of something that Disney did right? I think it, it was like to to the point you were saying in terms of Grimm's fairy tales, it's almost like Grimm's fairies, fairy tales distilled or light. They, they took the most important and the, the pieces that emotionally tugged at you the most out of those stories, sanitized them so like you could tell them to kids without giving them nightmares and then put it on display on, on the silver screen. Like I think that was essentially their formula. Like even for The Lion King, that was from taken from a story that could I mean, essentially just be the Grimm's fairy tales version of, of, of Africa. Right. So like that was a, a famous African story. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm still freaked out that my brother's going to murder me one day and steal my kingdom. <laughs> it's uh, that, it's hold on, that, that scarred me as a child. <laughs> <laughs> did, that, did that actually make you worried of your your brothers? No, no, I love those guys. <laughs> but hyenas, I was terrified of hyenas like my entire life. I mean, I think they're still terrifying. <laughs> so is the uh, evolution, can, can we kind of uh, walk it back all the way to Grimm's fairy tales were pretty much the same thing as Disney because they distilled a lot of just folklore into uh, one easily uh, distributable piece of literature that kind of just turned into a farmer's almanac uh, where it was ubiquitous. Um, everyone had a had their own copy of, of something like that uh, to either read the kids or some form of entertainment uh, is is Disney just kind of that that next evolution? And then uh, how can the people in charge of these properties keep greenlighting remakes of them if they were already remakes of remakes of remakes? Is that just like what? I feel like so that first, question. I think yeah. the, the Grimm's fairy tale, there was also a lesson, right? Like there was always something that you were supposed to take away, like don't run out into the forest and eat a bunch of candy. i I feel like in the movies doesn't it kind of expand into movies as a whole like every the same movie gets made every 20 years more or less like i mean you even look at movies dating back into like the 1960s we've remade them several times already or you just continue making sequels of the original movies because it it's it's formulaic right everyone has something that they want that they like they watch it they want to watch more of it or they want to watch the same thing again 
I say that as our Netflix is in the background right now when we're watching Friends. <laughs> We've seen it a million times, but it's still just as entertaining as the first time we watched it. <laughs> well, you look at something like The Meg, right? Like, is that this generation's Jaws? Uh, it's the same story. It's a shark in the water that eats people. But, like, is it is that what we're doing? Like, I'm, I'm with you. I think that's a, we're just retelling the same stories over and over again. It's very rare to see something that's original. And I think God of all the people like Jordan Peele is the one who's doing that right now. It's crazy that you say that. Cause I was thinking get out is like the first original story that I feel like I've seen in a long time. Is this racist? Is Jordan Peele in the new Lion King? Actually, I think he is. It's okay. So it's not racist. Yep. <laughs> uh, still might be a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Andre, are you saying the, uh, the fast and the furious franchise is just a, a retelling of the French connection? Like the whole series is the retelling of one movie. <laughs> yeah. It took eight movies to do it, but yeah, there's a submarine. Um, <laughs> No, I don't think the French connection. I think you're looking at like the probably great not action the same story, but the same like tale of like, let's just go with any Steve McQueen movie, really. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll throw it out there. It's kind of stupid, but I feel like the Fast and the Furious movies are this generation's version of the past James Bond movies because the story, the setup and the sequences are so over the top and outright unbelievable. But you kind of just accept it because you've been drawn into the story to the point to where I remember the memes where it's just like they could shoot cars into space and drive them in space machines. And we'd be like, oh, yeah, that's totally possible. Like it's just something that you kind of already dived deep enough to where you're willing to accept anything at this point. I mean, Vin Diesel and The Rock can do anything, even in real life. <laughs> Get it straight. Yeah, it's not together because they had that whole beef going on. Okay, so is Disney a product of uh, the idea of American exceptionalism then? So you could say, like, uh, from your connection from Fast and the Furious to James Bond, I mean, the, the real jump, like the bridge from one to the other is Mission Impossible because... Americans felt like they needed their own James Bond because we were tired of him being British. So then you got <laughs> Tom Cruise, Tom cruising everywhere and uh, doing all his own stunts because that's what a real man does uh, as a Scientologist. But um, well, it gives you superpower. Yeah, yeah, obviously, because you 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 soak in the power of all the people that that die uh, <laughs> in those concentration camps. Um, <laughs> but is is Disney's version of that kind of stuff uh, just kind of telling the same story in an American perspective almost? Oh, I bad y'all. Give me a second. I do need to sidebar that as much as I hate, like I will admit the Mission Impossible series are all terrible movies and I hate them. I watch every single one of them. They're a joy to hate. That's what it is. But, but like that, I'm I'm six movies, seven movies in right now, right? And I'm like, I have to see what happens next. I, I don't know what it is about Tom Cruise movies, but they leave me feeling that way. Because yeah. I'm kind of sad they haven't made a number two of the mummy. Okay, I didn't see that one, but like I Jack Reacher, yeah. I knew I was gonna hate it, and I was just like, Man, this is an enjoyable 90 minutes of my life. It's it's pure uh junk food cinema. Because like you come out of there realizing you wasted your time, but you still enjoyed it. <laughs> so kind of like, like a strip club. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's like eating too much candy, which I'm doing right now, where it's amazing at the time that you're eating it, but as soon as you're done, you just are full of regret. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sounds like a uh, Tom Cruise's wife's too. Has he had more? more- <laughs> oh. <laughs> so what, really, what's be- Scientology gives you superpowers. <laughs> what's behind uh the the monolithic i guess uh empire that is disney and are the moves that they're making what's keeping them disney or are they are they already just disney are they just a monopoly that we're not going to get away from anymore yeah i think it's skynet like it has become self-aware and it's just doing what it's doing to just like keep itself in business. And it doesn't matter. Like they could remake the, what were we talking about? The jungle book four more times in the next five years. Right. And people would still show up to go see them. Yeah. Or, or pull like a star Wars situation and be like a jungle book story. And it's a, well, that's going to, that's, that's interesting. Cause I feel like kind of to what we're alluding to here is they have such a set way of doing this as Skynet, but I feel like they're also trying to take certain risks with like solo with Aladdin and Will Smith as the genie. And there are certain things that people are starting to get like, Hey, this is dumb. Don't do this. Like, this is terrible. Why are y'all still going to do this? And it's kind of interesting because for a while there, Disney was like, can do no wrong. Right. But now they're starting to get a little more, I guess carefree and as a result of that you're starting to see some weird shit out there that's not necessarily resonating as well as they assumed it would so they had a well, I don't know if I, I don't know if they, they've had anything that's like from a financial standpoint I don't think anything's bombed well I think in the and, sense that they lost money right like in the sense that however much money they spent relative to however yeah. much money it generated yeah I would count that but like do they have one of those <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't even think they've, I don't think they've, yeah, they've, they've made profit on everything. Even if they haven't on the books, there's no way that their uh, accountants are being truthful with the, those kind of uh, returns, <laughs> ticket returns. But no, no, I, I see what you're saying. But like, it it's, it begs the question, like, if Disney's executives know that they're playing a numbers game with the lowest common denominator. Like are the reasons we see these movies now as, uh, unoriginal or uninspired just because that's the threshold of human entertainment. Like that is what gets everyone's butt in a seat and you just, uh, are, are unsatisfied. You just feel like you're superior, uh, intellect can't uh be entertained by that base level of storytelling like is is are we all just fucking snobs at this point like i i so i i can one i'll I'll take a dissenting opinion just for the hell of it so like maybe the executives at disney um think they're serving uh, a, a higher good than capitalism and or entertainment right like so maybe what they're really trying to do is, is realize that they're the holders of basically the, the myths that make the culture of what it is to be American, American, right? So like we mentioned all these touchstones of our childhood. Now they have star Wars, which is the touchstones of our parents' childhood. Um, and they have Marvel, which is becoming the touchstones of a whole new generation. 
uh, and we're fans, but these are touchstones for <clears throat> kids that are like teenagers right now, right? Um, so maybe they think they're serving a cultural good. And I would say, to Andre's point mm-hmm. earlier in the conversation, a lot of these movies have some really, really nice, um, good lessons on how to be a good person in society. Dumbo, for instance, talks like there, there's a lot of lessons to be taken from Dumbo. But here's the thing. I don't think having a kid, once that kid ends up being six, seven, I wouldn't feel comfortable <clears throat> showing them Dumbo because there's the Jim Crow crows. So if, if they're taking a chance to maybe whitewash or edit or take some of these uh, racist or ugly parts out of these stories and, and make them better for a better generation that has different values. Maybe they're just trying to like keep on moving or keep on having those myths in the culture, but removing the stuff that like we, we need to forget as a people. All right. That, that brings us into kind of the next, the next step of uh, what we need to talk about is what is the next step? Like what, what do you see happening? Is it going to get worse or not, not worse it, from, from that perspective, is it going to get more <clears throat> exaggerated? Uh, are, are we going to see more um, versions of, I guess, just social consciousness uh, injected into the same stories? So they have to get remade for generation after generation. I mean, I think you can do it tastefully. I think the like a tasteful decision for the Lion King was having all of the the main lion characters be African American or African. I'm not even sure if they're all African American. I thought that was a I mean, that was pretty cool. The, the talents there, right? Like let's showcase that. Well, it's funny that you say that. Like, okay, that's cool, but it's also just realistic because it's in Africa. Yeah. 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 But then why yeah, are the I mean, com- why is why is the comedy played by fat, funny, white-looking dudes like Pumbaa and Timon? I think is Seth Rogen and uh, I can't remember the other guys, but I mean they're in Africa. You still got well white people. Couldn't, couldn't we have used Key and Peel for that? Like, <laughs> you absolutely could have. I think so. So my 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 opinion on that is there's going to be a crossroads that we have to uh, make decisions uh, and where the money goes to entertainment when the argument is going to swing the other way. Like just the pendulum will, will, will reverse course uh, where you're going to get more people saying, well, you just need to pick the best actor for the mm-hmm. part, regardless of what their ethnicity or race is and what, the the ethnicity or race of the character is like we should get to a point where we're so colorblind that uh, it just means that you just pick the best actor for the part all the time Um, right now the reason that is so controversial is because there's less entry points to any kind of artistic field for all ethnicity other than white so you don't have the representation or the the uh the you don't have the talent pool that should exist if everyone was given equal opportunity 
to just be like, okay, now we can be colorblind. Like that's, that's the main part of it. But once if that, I don't know if that problem is ever solved, if it is, then you'd have, you'd have to have the, the, the opposite argument of like, well, no, this person is just the right person for the role. It's not, it has nothing to do with anything other than their acting ability. Well, I, I mean, I would say it's probably not even a problem. I mean, there's stories to tell and there's, in those stories, there's people that probably relate more to the character that maybe don't have quite the acting chops, but like they're going to end up with a more authentic performance because <clears throat> they can relate, you know? I, I don't know that a white guy could have pulled off any of the roles in Get Out, no matter how good an actor he was. I mean, what about Eminem? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. I mean, he only needs one chance, one opportunity. <laughs> but will he take it? Or just let it slip? Uh, no, but I, I agree, Joseph, for the most part, like you should pick the best actor for the job. That being said, under the settings, like Heath Ledger wasn't going to do as good a job in Slumdog Millionaire as Dev Patel. Like that's just there are certain settings where like you need that actor. Yeah, and I think that's what that's pretty much what Adrian was getting at. Like the, there's experiences there that uh, even just I, I think just growing up like in any kind of uh minority group uh in the states just kind of primes you to be uh more cognizant of any mistreatment or oppression of minorities uh that no that 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 tracks like that logically i I can get behind um i just think it's going to be like you can take the argument that that you need to be representative of the the character that it's being portrayed all the way to well i didn't i mean there's there's obviously actors in Africa that have lived there their whole lives. So why didn't we take it to that extreme? Like we still need a, a white friendly version of an African actor, which is like uh, African-Americans or uh, blacks from the UK. It, it's, it's kind of teddy bearing uh, real representation. <laughs> Yeah, so like why Chad, Chadwick Boseman and not uh, a, a fam- famous Nollywood actor? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because yeah, that guy's like, not going to make money. <laughs> no one's going to know who, that's, who that is. Yeah, so uh, like we're not there yet. Like we, it, even, even with people uh, saying, oh, this is great, this is great. It's still not, still not what it's supposed to be if you took it to that extreme. Like if you so I think yeah, exactly what was being said. Yeah. That's just a we work might, in progress. There was a point where women weren't acting like there were men in wigs doing it. It was like, there is just progress. We're just not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like there's a, a, a very vocal minority of people that believe we're in a post-racial society, just telling everyone that they're being SJWs about it. <laughs> So, but also, this is a fun question. Do you think we'll get there before we get to like Calculon? Yeah, no, I think we will. I, I think we'll get there. I think, but I think we'll go further than getting there. I think we'll get there. And then the, like the pendulum is going to swing like way back. We're like shunning uh, uh, directors that cast uh, people be, just because they're the exact fit 
uh, racially or ethnically or culturally, uh, as opposed to just like the same person getting like, if you had uh, a person that was just such a chameleon actor that um, they could play both roles, like a Michelle Rodriguez, like both genders, uh, you would have <laughs> you would have that you would have that person um, you would have that person in every single movie. You know what I mean? Like. <clears throat> you would only go see the best actors because they would be the only person worth seeing that would make everyone else like less valuable. And then anyone who cast any actors that weren't those top tier elite actors would be seen as, Oh, they just didn't have enough money to get those, those real actors. So I guess Andre to, to Joseph's point, like the calculon comment, is that like how many years until Andy Serkis can play like the, every character in the movie? Well, he'll be dead by then. But no, I just mean like <laughs> with uh, the, basically that, like, well, we're going to get to the point where robots are acting before we get there, at which point it doesn't matter what gender or nationality you are. Like you are a robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. That's a that's a good question. That's a pretty good question. Jaime would be really into this right now because he really wanted to talk about AI. Yeah, I, I had this before. <laughs> We need to make sure we tell them we talked extensively about AI today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what, what does Disney do now? Like, are they just set for the next 30 or 50 years with their, their roadmap? Like they, they can't really just, do they, do they use like Fox searchlight as like their original studio to go against stuff like a 24, like do they just keep expanding and become media like all of media or have they gotten their revenue stream? So formulaic that they don't have to worry about it anymore. It's just plug and play, set it and forget it. I, I think you have to, to nurse the, the properties to make sure that you're not going too, too far outside of what made them special to begin with. I feel like you can kind of see them faltering a little bit because I think they were trying to be too much of everything for everyone uh, with the the new Star Wars. I think the Star Wars stories were actually pretty successful because um, they're looking for niche audiences there. But like the, the new trilogy, I don't know that they're strong additions to the universe. That may be an unpopular opinion with this group, but that's that's how I feel. Just because well, you're racist. <laughs> Wait, no, he's my favorite character. I, I hate. <laughs> I actually I haven't else. seen any of the Star Wars, the new Star Wars. What? It's no I have way. not seen a single one. No, nope. it's pretty impressive, honestly. Yeah, I feel like it's at the point where like I have to not see them just because of how long it's been since they've been out. Wait, wait for the third one and just do a marathon at like Alamo Draft House. Yeah, and then you can actually see for yourself without the current bias of people that just watch the movie, whether or not they're good. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, you come out of a movie and everybody either loves it or hates it. I've never seen anyone come out of a Star or any movie really and just be any major movie and just be like, eh, it was all right. Like there's going to be one extreme or the other. I kind of like that idea of watching all of the new Star Wars like as one single entity and then you grasp like the totality of the whole story at once. That would actually be pretty cool. <laughs> I was like, All right, now I'm you not, have to wait. Now yeah, you have now, like a like a year to wait. I was like, but now I want to see it now. 
So on your question, Joseph, I think we've got 20 or 30 years where they're not going to have a problem because J.J. Abrams will live that long. But then you get into like kind of what Adrian was saying was like this, this generation of kids now, like my niece's generation is learning about these Star Wars movies. Like she hated the old ones, but the new character is a woman. She's really interested. She can relate. And she's like becoming a super nerd. But then they're going to be the ones making those next six or eight movies. So like they're basically operating off of a copy of a copy at this point. So like at what point do you lose the quality in 40 years, 50 years? Like all the people from the original era are going to be dead. And so I guess the about lessons like, are there, like the the archetypes are there, but you are just making a whole new movie at that point. So you got a Theseus axe situation. Like at what point is the axe a uh, a brand new axe? Like you can replace the handle twenty times, and then you replace the head once. Is it still the same axe? Like yeah. I guess yeah. No, that makes sense. But How do you guys at the that, same time, both. If all the parts on the boat were replaced, is it a new boat? Yeah, I think it's a boat. Oh, an axe is easier to to replace. It's only two parts. Parts of yeah, it's only two parts. It's more relatable because nobody owns a fucking boat. Yeah. <laughs> so, would you say? Well, I don't know if it even if it even is something that could suffer. Like, uh, you're you're basically saying that there's guard there's like a there needs to be a guardian of the initial feeling that was created when some kind of art form was made to keep that spark alive in any kind of concurrent iterations um or not concurrent in any further iterations of the same property so like there's got to be a kevin feige who is a huge comic book lover like he really did love the comics before you can go forward with making something like the marvel cinematic universe like there's got to be that one person who <laughs> whose heart is completely in it well because we've just we've transitioned right like it used to be there was an old person who would tell stories everybody and like they would relay it to one person and that person would pick up the story so yes but also i don't know how efficient that is in digital media or how well you can execute that i think the problem is some of it's going to get lost in translation when you look at the new Star Trek films, even like they are complete polar opposites of the old ones. Yeah, but you can also tell that they're trying real hard to be fan servicey. Like they throw stuff in there that may not have the heart, but there, there's there's an obvious need for there to be callbacks and like pick up the pick up the fan base. So it's as, like as much as they can. Same story, same lesson, same appetite of, hey, let me go hear a meaningful story with that keeps my kid quiet for two hours and just make it relative to this generation's preferences, which I guess you could argue in our generation, it's lots of CGI with quippy remarks back and forth to each other. You know, like it's not it's just, it's telling the same story, but it's telling it in a way that it would resonate with this generation as opposed to the previous one. And critically, I would say I'd say to add on to that. Critically, it's success uh, from snobs or like true hard critics of uh, art as a whole depends on how well the person who's guarding that um, initial feeling does at reigniting that same spark. Because anything that alludes to the original 
if they do it well, that's critically a success every time. And it's a critical failure if it doesn't, if it's, if it's kitschy, if it's trying too hard, or if it just completely falls off the mark, it's, that's what makes it bad. Even if it's a good movie, otherwise. I'd say the what even if it's a good movie otherwise that's a, like technically something can be a good movie but yeah it's truly a good movie when the there's a reason for telling the story to begin with you know like it, Aesop's fables like they're all pretty simple stories but there's a reason why the storytellers take <clears> them <throat> and it's to get across some deeper meaning that only I don't know months years later you'll truly understand what that story was trying to tell you all right all right so is that why disney tells the same stories every 20 years is because they want you to see the same lesson through a different lens when and share that lesson with maybe an audience that wouldn't want to see it otherwise yeah what they made 20 years ago yeah. Well, I just I look at it in the sense kind of like what you were saying with uh, with the Jim Crow and Dumbo, like you would have never caught that as a kid. And in a kid, you see a lesson of, hey, don't be mean to someone because they're different. But when you're older, you see a bunch of little smaller lessons that would be more impactful to you as an adult than they would be as a, as a child. Yeah. So really, you're see, you're seeing the same story twice, but it's coming with different meanings and different lessons. Yeah, absolutely. Like like with the well, Dumbo it, thing. It, it also. Go ahead. It informs your identity. Like those, those movies definitely inform your identity. They inform who you are, who you become as a person, what you see yourself as and what you work on, uh, or what you work towards becoming, <clears throat> even if it's not like the best thing, you can see something that is cool. And even though it's like shitty to do as a human being, you could still end up doing it just because you saw that one character do it in a movie and thought it was cool. Yeah. That, I think that makes sense. I don't know. I feel like Andre's been kind of quiet. Maybe we should get his feeling on it. I mean, I don't really have anything different from what you guys are talking about. So that's why. <laughs> <laughs> you agree 100%. We need more arguments. Like we get along too well. This is this is why we need Jaime. And then for those of y'all on the podcast on our way, we have another friend of ours named Josh. Um, literally, they are the complete antithesis of everything we ever say. <laughs> so if yeah, it's just like not stop arguments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's a question. Uh, I'll I'll play host for a quick second for all y'all. Um, so with Lion King, what do you think? Like the lesson of Lion King is. And what are you excited about and what are you afraid uh, about in terms of like either retelling or losing kind of the, the heart when they remake this movie? So for me, I'm super, super close to this movie. I just I don't know why it resonates with me so hard, maybe because it did inform my identity. I saw it at a really young age. But um, my takeaway has always been. Um, honestly, similar to the goofy movie, which is funny because that's also one of my faves is, uh, it's a, it's about like learning a few things, um, that are hard to, to, to get across, um, which I think the movie does pretty well, even if you don't realize it is you can't ever live up to yourself being your father. 
but you're not supposed to either. You're supposed to be better and different. You're supposed to be an evolution of that version. Like there's a whole kind of switch that Simba makes from wanting to be Mufasa to being his own version of what a good king does. And that's that's kind of difficult for someone uh, as young as I was to to conceptually understand. But for whatever reason, that's what I latched on to, because that um, was something that I kind of take away any movie that deals with that subject matter. I'm in I'm in it that and then like, uh, well, I'll let I'll let everyone else answer unless we want to go to what our favorite Disney movies were and what you think the underlying theme was. Because Lion King, that's that's what I that's what I got. Well, so there are two things I took away <laughs> from Lion King. The first one, Akuna Matata. The second one was Rafiki. It's it, why does it matter? It's in the past. I think those are kind of the same thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they definitely are. <laughs> but that kind of that kind of plays into like I see that as the evolution of the character of Simba. Like he's learning how to not be his father. Like his father would never have been into that version of carefree, mature, maturing and growing up. Like he would never be like, no, you have to like think about the past as something that like, yeah, the past exists, but I don't know. I, I just see that as kind of part of his evolution. Not, not so much what the movie's about. Angie, you did have a second question in there, and the thing I'm worried they're going to mess up is, like, you can't duplicate Nathan Lane. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I, Timon is not going to be Timon, no matter how hard he tries. But but have you seen who they cast as him? Like, he's the guy that yells at people on the street. Like, I feel like it, it'll be okay. It won't be Nathan Lane, but it'll be okay. The best, I think, I honestly think the best casting that is going to come out of this one is uh, just completely analogous replacement of Mr. Bean to John Oliver. I think that's going to yeah. be great. Zazu <laughs> was the best casting. Really? No, James Earl Jones is Mufasa? Nobody? Like, how is that? Like, that's, yeah, you can't, that's like you can't all-time be perfect, epic. man. Yeah, you can't be perfect. <laughs> Hey, Joseph, I kind of want to poke you real quick. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but two two episodes ago, we talked about uh, Black Panther. And I seem to remember, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, I seem to remember you saying Black Panther was a bad movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I like Black Panther that much. Why do you like Black Panther, or why do you dislike Black Panther, but resonate so well with Lion King? Because Black Panther the tells the same story, yeah. but worse. It tells the same story, but worse. Like Lion King is like the gold standard and Black Panther tried hard. Black Panther tried to be Lion King in real life yeah. and didn't work out at all. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, Adrian, Fox and the Hound, what, what's the takeaway from that? Because that's a really fucking depressing movie. <laughs> Why? Well, that, that's... I've never even thought of it in terms of like the the same way I think of some of these other movies and and like, what is the underlying story? It's just one that resonated with me. I I think maybe. Okay. Okay. uh, Hold on. Before you, before you say anything, I got to ask if this is why, because I think it might be the case. Is it because of its similarity to warrior? (laughs) 
Well, no, I, I were there I, two brothers that like because I never saw it as, too much as as brothers. It was just kind of like. And this it's been, is, are you the fox or the hound? I, I think the friendship is just what resonates with me. Just the fact that like some like you can be friends with someone that from. I, I don't know, like by your very nature, you're eventually going to be pitted against, you know, like, I don't know. There's it, it's the a warrior. tragedy. It, it's it's something that I don't know. It When I saw it, I don't think my young brain was ready to fully understand the fact that they're like, there's narratives that end in tragedy and it, it really messed with me. And that that's just one of the, it stuck with me for the longest time. I don't think I've never ever actually tried to unpack the lessons that were in it. Other than the fact that like it, it left me feeling um, a feeling that I feel like I hadn't actually felt from a movie until watching um, Infinity, Infinity War. War. Yeah. Dang. So let's switch gears to mine, which is not as serious. Um, and it's Aladdin. And the lesson I took away from Aladdin was to marry a rich Pakistani girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all you need, man. You just need to, and then uh, no, but you, obviously, it doesn't like, even matter. We were from a background that wasn't wealthy. I'm just going to say poor. Um, and that resonated with me because that's like, hey, there's a poor guy on screen and he finds this magic genie who's fucking hilarious, first of all. Um, and I guess my answer to that question is like, yeah, I'm really worried Will Smith isn't going to be Robin Williams because he's not, but I trust him to do a good job, hopefully. Uh, but the other thing I take away from that is it kind of very similar to Adrian. Like you have this close knit group, right, of the genie, Aladdin, Abu and the carpet. And like they're all working together towards this goal and like to get their boy laid, but also like to help each other. I guess grow and be you know get to that next level and that really was the thing for me was like I, it's really sappy but like you can do anything with your friends behind you so is Josh your Jafar <laughs> uh, okay let's let's map this if I'm Aladdin is Adrian the genie nah I'm a poo for sure You're a poo. Yeah. Right. I was I was with you uh, before the any anything I feel like Joseph was is magic carpet I think yeah, that I would map to the carpet. So then, who's the genie? I think it might be Hondo. I think it might be Hondo. <laughs> I'm pretty I mean, sure could, Han, out of out of everyone, I'm pretty sure Hondo would give you the confidence to do something you didn't think you could do before. Like Adrian would like try and help you do it. Business. Adrian would try and help you do it, but Hondo would Hondo would give you those words of inspiration that H- you need. Hondo turns Adrian into the elephant, is what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, pretty uh, much. Thanks, guys. So that means- I, I appreciate that. I was just going to say it's because I was the bulkiest one and I'd look most like the genie, but I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll go uh, I'll go off the deep end and say the genie, there is no genie in real life. So like the genie is just just time and experience. So but also let's Go let's back. finish mapping this. That means hi, Miss Jafar and Josh is <laughs> Iago. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I can I can get down with that map. I think Joseph. I think that leads us to the next segment. Well, we gotta get Hondo. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hondo, favorite Wait, Disney film. Oh man, that was a, so. My first one right off the bat was going to be Brave Little Toaster until I realized that's not Disney. Um, wait, wait, wait! But no, no, that, that is such a good cultural touchstone type movie that I feel like it's worth putting in consideration and like unpacking. Made that we try to do that. Yeah, I think that. Brave Little Toaster was Pixar. Really? Yeah. That long ago? Yeah. It was so before Pixar was part of Disney. That's what I'm. That's what I'm showing on on my researching here, but I could be wrong on that. Um, I don't know. I, that yeah. pretty much counts though, because now Disney owns that property. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think Disney. Yeah, yeah. But so if it can't be that one, then right now I'm really struggling. It's a tie between either Rescuers Down Under or Balto. And the reason why I like I'm struggling to choose between the two is with Balto. I've always kind of felt I've always resonated with the idea of like you're kind of feeling out of place with everything and something just doesn't feel right. And you don't know why, and you need to understand that what makes you different is actually what makes you better. Um, and personally for me, that's something that I struggled with a lot growing up where I always thought being different was something that was wrong. Um, but once I started meeting other people and once kind of you grow into yourself and you start understanding life a little more, you start to realize that the things that make you different are actually what make you great. And those great things about you are what drive you to greatness. Um, and then with Rescuers Down Under, I just remember laughing a lot as a kid. So that's why I liked it. <laughs> you never watched Dumbo? Dumbo wasn't funny. <laughs> no, no. The whole like, what makes you different is what makes you great. Like, that's like a Dumbo. Dumbo. Balto's, Balto's is definitely a cooler version. Of yeah, that I was going to say, dude, like Balto was part wolf. This was an elephant baby with big well, ears. Balto's is a very like boy centric movie, whereas Dumbo could apply to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and like, this is kind of weird, though. Like, how bootleg is Hondo when two of his favorite movies that are cartoons aren't Disney movies? One was Hyperion Pictures was Brave Little Toaster, and Balto was uh, Universal Pictures. Oh, really? Dang. Yeah. Dang. So I almost want to I'm talk about Toaster. <laughs> Excuse me, Andre? I said I almost want to talk about Brave Little Toaster. Yeah, I, I do, too. I feel like there's feel- tons to unpack there. I remember the characters, but I don't know the plot beats at all because I think the movie was very scary. <laughs> I think to a young kid, it could be. Yeah, so. there was a lot of like danger for them the entire movie. And it wasn't like, haha, funny danger. It was like, we're all going to die. Like every, yeah, no, every the they're gonna part get, of the like, journey. They're going to get smashed into steel, like into a garbage block or whatever. Yeah, and there's like the evil magnet in the junkyard. Yeah, when this wants to try to capture them all so they can turn them into junk. Yeah, I, I think that's, yeah. that's a whole episode's worth of conversation. I think we all got <laughs> to watch week. it. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody needs to watch it this week, and then we can come back and talk about it for the next one. Man, there's so many good ones, too, because you could do that one, Rescuers Done Under, Land Before Time. Like, Man, there was a bunch of rowdy ones back in the day. I like it. I like it. No, that sounds like a good topic for next week. So what do y'all think Jaime's favorite Disney movie was? Oh, we should take guesses and then pull them tomorrow. Or not what tomorrow, is the, uh, if Aladdin is Captain America, what is the Bucky to Aladdin? Uh, Lion King 2. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it would be something like Mulan 2. 
Because <laughs> did he want to make a man out of him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's got to be something obscure, right? Yeah, it's got to be something out of left field. <laughs> this would be a good chance to introduce our viewers to our personas. So if we had to define Jaime, how would we define him? And how would we relate that to a, into a Disney movie? A I mean, he's pretty much the Little Mermaid. So I was going to go with like Pete, the Peter Pan one where he's played by a fox. And judging by the confused looks on everybody's faces, that's <laughs> obscure enough. Yeah, I, I feel like he would be a James and the Giant Peach. Lady and the Tramp. The Reluctant Dragon. No, Lady and the <laughs> Tramp. No, Lady and the Tramp sounds sounds like him. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm, I'm siding with Andre. Lady and the Tramp. That's two votes for that one. I'm I can up, see that. I'm looking up Disney animated movies right now, and I, I have I got nothing. So I'll, I'll just I'll hop along. <laughs> is, can, does it have to do be. with his traits as a hopeless mo- romantic? Yep, one hundred percent. Which is why I need him to date my roommate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to give... I'm going to leave the gender on my roommate ambiguous just for the internet. I like it, I like it. (laughs) We know he's hot, Andre. We know he's hot. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? What's next, Joseph? I want to leave the final words actually with you, Andre. I think uh, there's something that you can... uh, say to wrap this up in terms of movie analysis and where you think these uh, pieces of entertainment are going to land critically going forward. I mean, I think it's tough because like it's up to essentially our generation now, like Adrian has to show Everett the original Lion King, right? Like that's how it's up to us to, to pass that on. And if they're getting remade, then like a lot of people are just going to just take the kids to the new one. And that's what like, they're going to get, they're not going to get Robin Williams. They're going to get Will Smith. And I'm jumping around here. That made me but so sad. Just that's uh, I know. I'm yeah. like, I just realized that. And that's terrible. Yeah. There's a whole like two generations of kids that aren't going to know Robin Williams. Um, but that's the thing is like with them getting remade, are we losing out on some of that? The old like spark that we had, are we are we trying to like make movies great again? Um, but also, I'm kind of with Adrian and his like accelerationist theory of you know just just keep doing it. Let's keep doing it. And if one of them bombs, then we go back to the old format and use that one. But for the most part, um, I think we're on the right track. I think yes, Disney basically has a license to print money at this point, and they're going to keep doing it even if we don't like it. We can't stop them because millions of people are going to turn out to see this movie. Damn. No. Yeah, that sounds right. But also, if they want to absorb like everything, Netflix and Amazon, and just make me pay one subscription fee, like that would be a lot easier too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Dude, that made me so sad. I'm like, I'm like, my mood is seriously shifted now. Thinking about all the kids. I was just thinking about how much fun I had watching Robin Williams as the genie, and now I got to watch Fresh Prince. (laughs) 
Damn, it's going to be so hard to like if Will Smith ki- kills the role, like just because the trailer was panned so badly, <laughs> even if he kills the role, like people are going to be like, this is trash. But what if it's just like really great and no one admits it? <laughs> so here's the thing, like now I'm guessing none of you have seen an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode in the last like two seasons. I haven't seen an Agents one, of, like, yeah. an Agents I watched, of S.H.I.E.L.D. Episode. I watched season one. Okay. So we're probably going to get some in uh, Captain Marvel, but like the the Cree. Will Smith is just the Cree genie right now. Like that's what he looks like. He's a big blue human being. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I'm just bummed they didn't go full CGI for him. Like just do the voice full CGI. Turn him into a cloud, a blue cloud. Yeah. Or, I mean, just something. Or like hey. a genie. <laughs> And not Will, Will Smith's face on a genie. <laughs> He's just a blue Will Smith right now, yeah. You think it's his voice that kills it? Because I feel like Will Smith's voice is... Uh, this is going to sound weird, but like it's the same in every movie. So At it's like it's you, not common. Ah, true. No, okay, true. all I want is I want Will Smith to go on the screen and act everything out, but they play Robin Williams' lines <laughs> over Uh, I think they're going to make callbacks to uh, other movies that he's been in. I hope he has a bad boys line in it. Shit just got real. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I think that's, that's the note that we ended on. Uh, All right. Thank you guys. This was good. I enjoyed this conversation. Uh, So next week we're talking about brave little toaster for a, a full hour. Yeah. Everybody bring your tissues. (laughs) (laughs) all right y'all well thank you from all of us this has been the flat circle from the gaisos podcast network and uh just remember be yourself just like everyone else and we'll, we'll catch you next time 